Hello, fabulous Friends fans and superstars. Welcome to Synchronicity Web TV. I am your host, Nadia Shaw, and this is your moment of synchronicity. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate with you today my dear friend, Jen Sart. Now, Jen is someone that I have known for years, but mostly online, uh, and that is because I came to know her as someone so widely respected and so brilliant years ago. I was so excited when I first met her online. And then I met her in person a year and a half ago or so. And she was just this ball of love from the moment that we met. And of course, she's so accomplished. She's been editor and she has a school that she runs and a publishing company. So there's lots to know about her. But what I'm especially excited about is that Jen is coming to the Synchronicity University September 2023 Speaker Series. You've got a very limited time to choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class, which is an unheard of rate to learn from this caliber of astrologer as you are about to see. Jen is gonna be teaching about Mercury and today we are gonna talk about the upcoming Mercury retrograde in the sign of Virgo that starts late August and goes into September of 2023. Jen, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Nadia. I'm simply glowing. I, you are so amazing. And I'm so honored that you have chosen me to be a part of your lineup for this September 2023 Synchronicity University class series. So thank you so much. Well, of course, I feel really proud that uh, someone like you with such uh, a wonderful reputation, so respected, so accomplished, is someone who's bringing what you do best, astrologically, your insights to Synchronicity University. So thank you so much for that, too. Uh, can you just give us a few highlights? Like, what are some things you're really proud of in terms of what you do? I love inspiring people to produce what is deep inside their soul spark. I radiate with them until I feel this sense of that's an article or that's a book or that's a class. And I try to spend time with my peers and students getting to the heart of why they're here on this planet, whether it's through the astrology of their chart or simply being together. And I find that a lot of times after someone spent any time with me, they walk away inspired to go and get it, whatever that is that they're here to do, that I can help use all of my Libra placements to filter through and sort of transmit that energy of jet fuel. Like you can do the thing, you know, and, and helping them see like, yeah, the thing that you might be feeling in your heart is the, yours to do, but quite unsure you need that extra nudge I'm there to be that person to kind of spark it off and help you go for it and make it bigger better bigger real right um, so that's really what drives me and so you have a publishing company you have a school can you talk about these things too so I'm actually sitting in my current passion project, which is to create a library of astrological books for others to use, which is something that I didn't have when I was in graduate school. I was writing my PhD thesis at UC Berkeley about astrology, and oftentimes libraries didn't collect what I needed, or if I did get them, I had to wait forever through interlibrary loan. So I'm sitting in the Celestial Arts Education Library, which is a physical space that you can visit and see all of these astrology books in the same room, and I swear it's like heaven on earth. It is amazing. Well, it's bliss for you, that's for sure, because I yes. know books are your happy place. You have a book publishing company, you've edited a bunch of books, you've translated books. And so what is that like for you? I think it's about lineage and honoring our ancestors and understanding that just behind me, we have so many transmissions about astrological technique, astrological insights, and 
with the current way that we communicate online, it can seem like we're all encountering something for the first time. And so I'd like to be that cup of knowledge saying, we've actually thought about this before. I mean, you know, we have newsletters, we have journals, that we have books of people who've come before us and seen, for example, like today with Mercury, so many insights about this planet, just one celestial factor. And so to be able to publish new ideas about these things and also honor translations of older ideas about these things in a foreign language and circulate the information so that everybody can find their way through this astrology and find their way through what is the astrology that's going to help you live your best life. And someone has to be the vector for that. So when I work with publishing, I have Revelor Press, which is my more experimental press, does advanced astrology books and among other things, deals mostly with that idea of liminality and consciousness as well. So things that kind of blow your mind. Um, and then Sophia Center Press, which is affiliated with the University of Wales, Trinity St. David, is about the academic study of the history, philosophy and culture of astrology. And those books are more intended for university libraries so that the people who decide what's legitimate knowledge get a sense that we exist and what we study is actually worth it. I love it. I love that you said honoring the ancestors. I remember one of the first days when I started graduate school at the University of Kent, Jeffrey Cornelius, right? One of our living legends. Um, I remember him saying citation is honoring the academic ancestors. And that always stood out to me, how important it is to cite. Now, we're not always going to get it right, especially if you are like me and you're making YouTube videos, for example, or podcasts for other astrologers out there. Sometimes you're just in the flow and you're talking. You don't always mention where every single idea comes from. But where possible, it's a good idea to cite because it's a powerful way of honoring our academic ancestors our astrological ancestors as well, especially with what it is that we do. And so I'm always a little bit nervous when I hear people say, I was the first to do this. I was the one who came up with this because nothing exists in a vacuum. Everything yeah. can be traced to something else that came before it and that thing before it as well. As much as we'd like to think that we are so revolutionary, no one has ever thought like us before, nothing exists in a vacuum. And, and there's something beautiful and humbling, but also something that I think makes us greater when we acknowledge the greats that have been before. Right. And I love that you're picking up on that concept of citation and footnotes, because that truly is where the pen is the sword in having astrology become more legitimized in the larger scheme of the public. Because when an academic says, you know, astrology isn't academic enough because it's either a pseudoscience or a superstition or for whatever reason that positivism or, or you know, the current dominant culture has said astrology is not worth it. When we have all of our citations, then we are establishing a trail and establishing an acknowledgement. And so I'm hoping that people will come here and take advantage of these resources to begin to cite more so that we can show, hey, this is academically led literate. And so a future person who's, you know, saying, oh, well, the history of science, astrology is just pre-astronomy. And it's like, it's actually so much more than that. And here, let me show you all of these amazing things that we've been researching to prove it, right? Okay, so I know you and I can really nerd out if we want yeah, to, that's yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we have that part of us. But I did want to talk about Mercury in particular uh, to make it practical, to make it real. Like, yes, you and I both, we have these concepts, which is great. And I know you're going to bring that really unique perspective because of all that you know, 
and because you understand the roots of things and where your ideas are actually coming from in a very clear way, honoring our current astrological living legends and our academic and astrological ancestors. But to the most, uh, to most astrological students, astrology students, it's really about, okay, what's happening right now? What's happening in my chart? How can I understand this placement better? Yeah. And so I love that you are going to be talking about Mercury in your upcoming class at Synchronicity University. So once again, you guys, it is Jen who is part of the September 2023 speaker series. She's going to be teaching about Mercury. And for a limited time, you can choose her tuition rate as low as just $5 a class. So tell me a little bit about the class. What are people going to learn? Before we start talking about Mercury retrograde, Sure. tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this class is a going back to the basics. Also for me, you know, I teach a lot of complicated classes or more advanced level classes. And I wanted to go back to the simple looking at what is the planet Mercury, what is the archetype of Mercury, what are the various mythologies that we have in world cultures about what we've put onto our astrological Mercury. And it's important because of this, and it comes down to one thing, communication. The foundation and success of all relationships is about communication. So if we can understand what our natal Mercury is doing in our chart, and we can understand what natal Mercury might be doing in someone who we really want to have a good connection to in their chart, all of a sudden we unlock this massive potential for establishing tolerance, flow in communication, the ability to say, you know what, I know your needs for communication are different than mine. How can I meet you halfway? How can you meet me halfway? How can I let you know what I need? And then also just establish, I guess, like more humane relations amongst all people which allows all these other beautiful things to happen from that one simple factor. And I thought that that would be a really great focus to simply go back to those basics. And when the class runs, it will be Mercury and Virgo. So I thought, you know, Mercury's at its best in this sign. How can we unpack what it's going to offer us and allow ourselves to bask in it and go back to the fundamentals and remind ourselves of how do we need to speak and be spoken to and also keep in mind that other people's needs might be different than ours. I love it. And it's so true that communication can be the foundation of understanding. It is the foundation of understanding. I mean, there's a lot to be said for vibes, feeling comfortable. That's great. But very often it's what someone says that makes you feel comfortable, that lets for you sure. know you are safe here. Uh, and so, yes, Mercury is such a powerful symbol and will be at the height of its power in the sign of Virgo. The ancients loved having Mercury in the sign of Virgo at that. And we have Mercury not only coming up in Virgo, but we are going to have a Mercury retrograde in Virgo happening very soon. And so let me get you guys uh, some of these dates. It is the 4th of August that Mercury goes into shadow at 8 of Virgo, goes retro on the 23rd at 21 of Virgo, goes direct 8 of Virgo on the 14th of September, and then on the 30th of September leaves shadow. So those are the, that's the larger season that we have to look forward to. What are some overall themes that you can talk about with Mercury retrograde in the sign of Virgo? Let's start with that. And then we can talk about this particular retrograde specifically. So I think when we're talking about a retrograde, it's important to remember that this is normal for Mercury. When we look at the cosmology of the solar system, Mercury orbits very close to the sun. And so from our perspective, it's going retrograde three times a year, every 88 days for a number of days. Those 
periods aren't the same in length, and I'll talk about that in the course, but when a retrograde occurs, it's giving us this chance for accidents to happen that give us new information that isn't a part of our logical mind, right? So much of being in, in our current culture is to say, I'm going to do this, and I'm in control, and I have all of these things lined up, and I just know what the plan is, and I'm going to go, go, go. And a Mercury retrograde is saying, hey, wait, what about this? And you get the trickster god version of Mercury coming in and spinning the record a bit different, picking the needle up a bit different, right? And so we have a lot of ways that we can think about the retrograde to like open ourselves up to input that isn't pre-planned by our superego, right? Wow. I've always thought of Mercury retrograde as it's not the re during the retrograde that you are getting quote unquote honest but it's the experiences you have during the retrograde that help you to get honest, depending on where that retrograde is happening for you in your chart. Yeah, I think when we think about the, the modern techniques about going interior, we have this idea of the Mercury direct is an externally expressed Mercury and Mercury retrogrades are that time too. The keywords are review, renew, redo, recycle, reuse. And then there's also some pro tips, like if you're buying a car and you can't help it, get a used one. If you're having to do something and it's a review or you're doing it again for the second time, you're re-signing a contract, no worries, right? Or if you're signing a contract for the first time, guess what? That means you might get to re-sign it for a better deal later. There's not a need to stop what you're doing and be a kind of a deer in the headlights for three weeks. That doesn't make any sense. We have to think a little bit more logically around what's the activity that's best suited to this timeline right now. And I think that there's a lot to be said for thinking in those ways and thinking about, you know, when it comes to contracts, for example, like maybe you put in an offer on a house and it gets rejected. It doesn't mean you can't put it back in, right? It doesn't mean that there's not going to be success at the end of this. My thing with Mercury retrograde in real estate, for example, and this is something that I tell my clients is you've got to look for the catch. Mercury in retrograde says something is going to be in the contract that you need to pay attention to. So read closely. And this was actually how my parents started learning astrology. They were thinking like, what is she doing doing this astrology stuff? And I'm like, no, guys, like you keep trying to buy houses during Mercury retrograde. And literally every single time something happens in the contract and you don't close. And so they started to perk up after about the fifth time. And it got to the point where the last time it was this woman who her daughter was trying to sell the house and she had unfortunately passed. And so there was some fine print in the contract that they didn't see until just before closing that said she couldn't sell the house for a year after the, the mother had passed. And so this beautiful home on the water just went through their hands and they come to me, my parents, they go, maybe there's something to this after all, because you said it would be something in the contract. And literally, it was that one sentence that just didn't let us close. And so, but you can close when Mercury is retrograde, and it's not going to be the end of the world. It just means to think a little bit more creatively around what's the complication here? And am I okay with that complication? Because let's face it, life is complicated. You know, nothing is ever going to go exactly the way we want. And so when we know we can play with the trickster qualities of Mercury and jump around, say, you know what, I actually like am enjoying this, this complication in a way, like I can move with this one, this one fits me better. But I will say for me, I have had so many times I've had the experience where something looked a certain way, Mercury was retrograde. And I sort of made it fit in my mind. Well, no, this this can fit with Mercury retrograde because in a way it's kind of new. Okay, I'm buying a pair of pants, but it's a used pair of pants or I'm buying a pair of pants, but it's because I'm back at the store returning my other pants. 
but it's still something happens. And I don't want to like promote any kind of fear around, of course, the retrogrades because lots of people are born with Mercury retrograde too, right? So I am, yeah. Yeah, so am I. And so there's lots of great things about Mercury retrograde. Like you tend to think about things before you say it. Right? right. Like that's a, that's a very, very good skill to have. I think as you move through the world to be able to think about things before you say them, because we see what happens when people don't do that. That's Mercury retrograde, the gift of it. But yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of times where Mercury's retrograde and something really looks like a sure thing. And then the station happens mm. or the direct and it's just direct. And all of a sudden I'm seeing that thing differently and sometimes remarkably differently where it's like oh my god this is actually really really important yeah I think also speaking to the the shopping experience I do have a technique for that navigating that is to over shop and then return part of the order right and so that way you know you're doing the thing and so you're like okay I'm going to overbuy a little bit and maybe you return the whole thing that's fine but I found that 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 works as a kind of buffer against some of that energy because you're like I'm actually taking some of this back so Mercury, you're getting your, your, you know, appeasement and I'm getting to keep the thing that I wanted, you know, um, that would give you one way to navigate that. But I agree. I mean, we're, our perspectives are actually constantly shifting and that's the beauty of it. Cause even when Mercury's direct, our perspectives are constantly shifting. You know, that model of the solar system where the sun too is spinning and there's this massive spiral into the unknown. I think that it's important when Mercury does take three times in the year to pause and have us sort of sit back and reflect and take things in in a fresh way and maybe not get what we think we want. Then we have the ability to realize, you know, we are always shifting our perspective no matter what. So that's powerful to consider as well. And so Let's talk about this Mercury retrograde because there are some things that are distinct about it. As you said, it is in a sign that Mercury does really well being in. Um, But you add to that, what I'm seeing when I look at this retrograde is the fact that Mercury will trine Jupiter three times. I think that's exciting. Like to me, that sounds like opportunities that you thought were gone or something that felt, you know, so big and then you couldn't grasp it might just come back around in some way. How do you understand that particular part of, or maybe in a larger sense, this particular Mercury retrograde? I think there's a number of ways we can process what this trying to Jupiter might mean, because we have to think about Jupiter's perspective. When he's looking to Mercury in Virgo, he's going, oh, my friend's in their house and they're doing just fine. I actually don't like visiting that friend in Virgo. When Jupiter's in Virgo, it's not very happy in that sign, partially because things are so very finely detailed and Jupiter loves that bigger picture, right? So I think that the trine could be a bit of a chimera or some kind of illusion to a certain extent, only because Jupiter wants to help Mercury and give us that sense of optimism and the ability to to accomplish a goal, perhaps think our way around a problem in a new way. And yet I think there might be a little bit of a skip of the record in his ability to truly perform for us because of his, I guess you could call it maybe an allergy to Mercury being in its own power, right? Mercury is not like wanting a guest per se to be looking through the windows and saying anything, you know? Yeah. I suppose that's not optimistic in the way Jupiter might want it to be, but I think it's a realistic thing to think about the preferences planets themselves have to each other in their own signs. So, I mean, I'm thinking about, so just to let everybody know the reason that Jupiter maybe not is so crazy about being in the sign of Virgo is because Pisces, 
the ancient ruler of Pisces is Jupiter. And the ancients believed when a planet was across the sky from its home sign, so Sagittarius or Pisces in the case of Jupiter, chances are Jupiter's not going to really get along that well when it's far from home, when it's in the sign of Virgo, which is opposite Pisces, or in the sign of Gemini, which is opposite Sagittarius. And so that's where that understanding comes from. But having said that, um, I'm also thinking about the fact that Jupiter is in Taurus, and we have a Venus retrograde happening kind of simultaneously, absolutely simultaneously. And this is a doozy of a Venus retrograde. I mean, it is, yeah, it's trining uh, Chiron, which is lovely, but it's square Uranus, it's quincunx Neptune, quincunx Pluto. So all of these really big energies are there at play. And so, yeah, we have the trine. I'm hoping that gives us that little bit of a window in otherwise, you know, energies that can be challenging this summer. Yeah, I think the, when we have to think about that trine, instead of thinking about the the easy flow, I think we have to think outside the box. Mercury will be retrograde in Virgo. Jupiter's looking by trine or Mercury's looking at trine to, to Jupiter. And it's like, we just have to be a little bit more nimble and a little bit more creative with our interpretations of things like generosity, gratitude, compassion, the ways that we want to solve whatever problem Mercury is posing in a, in a way that's humane and kind. And, and we might not have all the resources that we want to do it in a perfect sense where Mercury is like, if we only had this, we could do it. It seems like it's just on the horizon. I think we have to also be flexible and use things for their unintended purpose. Remember, Jupiter's also in the same, I think of science as elevators. It's in the same elevator with Uranus. So even Jupiter is going to surprise itself as it transits through Taurus. The same elevator. I haven't heard that expression before. And I've been in Yeah, I think of signs as elevators, right? Like you're in an elevator. So for example, you have a lot of planets in one sign. It's called a stellium, more than three. And it's like if two planets are very close to each other in orb, they say, which is like my body space, right? Then you can kind of smell them and then you can someone's in your personal sphere and it's a conjunction. But even if it's at zero degrees and 29 degrees, those two planets are in the same symbolic container. So if you think about Saturn in Pisces right now, no matter what else is in Pisces right now, Neptune's there. It's like Neptune and Saturn are in the same elevator, kind of like at odds, like, oh, they're going to get off on the fifth floor or the seventh floor or what's going on. And so Neptune used to have it all by herself. And, you know, she was having this wonderful, beautiful elevator experience maybe not at UAC in 2012 if those who were there remember those horrible elevators in that huge hotel they were so slow everybody oh my gosh but Saturn comes in and this was in March of this past year and it's going to be there for a while and suddenly there's this like oh the party stopped Saturn's in the elevator right so that's what we mean a bit when Saturn is going through a sign is that the entire sign now has this entity that's kind of bringing the mood into a new kind of focus and so with Jupiter and Uranus in the same elevator or the same sign, we get a sense of this optimism, party, surprise, like things are kind of a little bit of a crackling. I'm thinking of like pop rocks or snack crackle pops. So there's that element to Jupiter that's getting spicy with Uranus being there, sort of egging everything on um, and, and shaking up all the Taurus areas of our life. Remember, we have the whole zodiac in our chart. So going back to the Virgo, we have this conversation now between the Taurus parts of our chart, wherever house that Taurus uh, um, zodiac sign is crossing for you, and then the Virgo parts, right? What is the conversation happening between that part of your life and the part of your life that Mercury is churning up and asking you to reflect, what's the new information here? What are the new ways we can relate to this fast 
of human experience shown by house. So beautifully put. Wow. And we're also going to have, because you mentioned Uranus, when it is that um, Mercury stations, so the station happens the 23rd, it will be a degree away from an exact trine to Uranus. And so it's so fascinating, isn't it? Towards the beginning, we get Jupiter and then the station And then, of course, the end of the shadow as well, at the end of September, we get that Uranian energy. Isn't that fascinating? It's 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 happening for all of the where we have Taurus placements, right? In a way. And I think this near miss of the exactitude at the end of this retrograde can be an inspiration. And yet we still have a bit more work to do, right? We still have a little bit more like, you know, it's sort of saying this is possible and this is this is here for us. But if we need to make it happen, we've got to actually, we have to actually take the steps to do it. The planets aren't going to do it for us. Sometimes we have things that go exact by aspect and they they simply happen and we are participating in them. In this one, I think that near miss is asking us to show up. And if it's a glimmer of a thing you want to have happen, put your feet on the ground and do it. That's a Virgo, right? I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, you guys can see just how brilliant my dear friend Jen Zart is. She has become my dear friend after I admired her from afar for so long. And then I finally got to tell her I admired her and then I finally got to meet her. And so it's so lovely now that Jen is coming to Synchronicity University as part of the September 2023 speaker series. She's going to be teaching about Mercury and it is as low as just $5 a class, an unheard of rate for this caliber of astrologer, I'll tell you. Jen, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited about your class. I'm so happy you're coming to my school. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nadia. And thank you, everybody out there for watching. Until we connect again, take care. Bye.